Welcome to Living Martial Arts with Master Ray Gale, aka The Dark Master. Living Martial Arts discuss and examines the everyday exercise, philosophy, and lifestyle of the martial arts enthusiast. The host talks about his own training, past and present, and he also interviews many martial artists to discover how they continue to live their own martial arts journey. Tune in for top tips on how to get the best out of your martial art. Or perhaps you're thinking of starting a martial art. This podcast offers you an easy way to dip your toe in. Sign up for the newsletter at livingmartialarts.com and get regular updates and training tips direct to your inbox. Follow the Dark Master on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Living Martial Arts. Hi, and welcome to the uh, Living Martial Arts podcast with me, uh, the Dark Master. And I've uh, got a fantastic guest here who uh, is going to tell us a little bit about her martial arts journey, I hope, and um, share some other things. Um, yeah, so without further ado, Sally, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Thank you very much for uh, agreeing to to come on the uh, the Living Martial Arts podcast, and I'm sure... Um, uh, our guests will be excited. And I, I always think it's nice to have um, female martial artists because I've I've tried to get quite a few, and uh, I've had a few, but a few few. Um, I'm st- I've, I've they said they get back to me, but they haven't yet. So I'm really <laughs> pleased that you have and um, that you've you've agreed to come on because I think it's it's good to get a female perspective um, on yeah. you know on what we do because I, I think that's important important. So, uh, I mean, without without further ado, I always start with, and it's the probably the biggest uh, part of this, really, in a way, um, is telling us a little bit about your martial arts journey, perhaps how you, how you started, you know, um, any sort of significant things as as you went through. But I'll, I'll, I'll probably ask you some questions about it. So there we go. So, yeah, uh, crack on. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, um, so. I've been doing martial arts since the age of nine. Um, I started out with karate around 1996. Um, My mom put me in to karate uh, because I was getting bullied and she just wanted me to have some like confidence and whatnot. Mm. Um, I think I stayed in that for a little while and then the club just closed, like out of nowhere, the club closed and they didn't even tell us. So like for a few weeks we were turning up and there was like no one there. So (laughs) um, around, I think it was like around 1998, we just like changed completely um into taekwondo um which wasn't too much of a difference because i was in a hip twist style uh when i moved in um mm. i joined a gti taekwondo club in worcester and uh, uh master clive harrison uh grandmaster clive harrison now i think yeah, um yeah. and uh from there it just progressed into um taking over all of my evenings um i gave up like girl guides i gave up swimming um <laughs> and i just basically completely and utterly went down the taekwondo route um, so yeah, I did that, um, under the GTI, I think for quite some time, I think I left the GTI in around, uh, ooh, 2010, I think. Right. Um, so a large part of my Taekwondo career has been in hip twist. Yeah. Um, and I changed to the sine wave around, uh, let's say 2010 time. At that point in time, I joined, uh, Ben England's club, um, which was under Master Wolf Taekwondo Academies. Um, so I had a period of time there, uh, changed to the sine wave, uh, redid my third dan grading. Um, I think it was at a seminar with uh, Cho Jung-wa. Um, okay. 
So that was, I can't remember what year that was. Um, and then I went for my uh, fourth Dan in 2012 and uh, Master Wolf, um, having converted to Sine Wave. Um, in, I think it was about 18 months to two years. I think I converted to that style of Sine Wave because, as you know, they're all slightly different. Um, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in 2012, I opened the Worcester Club. Um, so I opened that the week after the 2012 Olympics. Um, oh, right. Okay. It was on a whim. Um, I basically got offered a venue to open in because they just matted it out. So I was like, yes, I'll just go for it. Like, didn't really give it a thought. Somehow <laughs> managed to time it in the Olympic kind of period and within a month we'd outgrown that venue um oh, wow. yeah so then we moved to a, a local like sports center for a few years um around 2014 I took over the Droitwich club um which I had kind of been involved with probably since 2002 2003 anyway so it was natural progression that I ended up uh, taking over that school so between the team and I, we merged the two clubs together. And in 2016, I formed Worcestershire Martial Arts. Um, and now we are in, uh, we've affiliated with the ITF and sure. uh, we are kind of going from strength to strength. And it's really nice to see like the progress of my students. Um, so that's just really the the school side and kind of like my journey on that kind of front. Um, on another front, I started teaching when I was around about 14 um, and I realized then that it was something that I actually really enjoyed doing. Um, Mm. I enjoyed coaching. I was quite good at it. It was something that I found that I had a skill set in naturally. Um, So I ended up going off to uni. I did um, earth and geological sciences and then ended up in teaching really (laughs) career path there. Um, and my, I did my teaching degree in uh, martial arts as a subject specialism. Sure. Um, so I went and did a PGCEFE, which is like a post-compulsory setting. Yeah. So I taught like 16 and over. Um, I've, I taught a lot of different subjects, um, mm, but yeah. obviously Taekwondo was the one that I did my teaching qualification in. So all of my coursework and everything was around, you know, changing the way that I taught Taekwondo, changing the way that I engage with my students, um, changing how Mm. I coach them. And that journey has continued up into my my former career because I actually came out of the education system in January this year to become a full-time Taekwondo instructor. Oh, wow, that's Um, great. Yeah, yeah. So that was a a bold move. (laughs) (laughs) I've been Um, there, I've been there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So previous to that, I was um, working in education for a local authority I worked with adults mostly and I was basically like uh, forming the qualifications. I was managing the tutors. Um, I was an internal verifier. So I assessed um, coursework and GCSE work and stuff like that. So off the back of that, I now have my own um, training center. Um, mm. So I deliver level two coaching sports qualifications um, as my own business now. Um, so I run those with a subject specialism in martial arts to help instructors get the basics that they need and a qualification if they're maybe joining, um, as a coach, maybe they've been told by their instructor, they've got an ability for it. And, you know, it's a formal nationally recognized qualification. 
Um, but I also work with very experienced coaches and very experienced instructors to improve um, their coaching practice um, and mentor them in that way. So I do a lot of coach development now as sure. kind of it's all kind of come together at the same time. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, I'm very interested in promoting uh, female martial artists um, on the AETF Women's Committee. So mm. I do a lot of work around um, engaging women, um, a lot of work around like what the barriers to engagement are um, on a grassroots level, but mm. also yeah, yeah. on a coaching level. So I'm going to be sure. doing quite a bit of work around celebrating female coaches, but also how we can get those coaches you know, involved and empowered and more women coming through to coaching positions in the future, because it is so important that we are, you know, have that representation, um, yeah, especially, yeah, you know, with loads more girls coming through. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's generally kind of like an overview. Um, I do yeah. compete still as well. So I don't know how I managed to do all of that around working full time. <laughs> no, um, I don't. Actually. Well. <laughs> that's, that's, pre that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. It reminds me of myself in my early days. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're, you're, I mean, you, you said so much there. It's fantastic. And, uh, you know, I'll, 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 pick, I'll pick some I'll pick some bones out of there, going go right back yeah. to the to the karate, really, because I, I actually started in karate in the middle 70s. And um I I found that the I found the well first of all I found the crossover from karate to taekwondo actually quite difficult because I'm I'm a little bit geeky and um, I love to do everything that I do I love to do well so I wanted to do karate really well but I, I did it that well that I couldn't get out of it once I got to taekwondo <laughs> um, but um, it, I mean I got there eventually but there, there were lots of changes but as you say it, it was. Um, obviously, you know, I, I started doing hip twists in the 70s and didn't change until 99. So I did a lot of uh, a lot of that, um, you know, through uh, initially through the UKTA, then THB and so on. Um, how, how did I mean, uh, just sort of asking about the transition? I mean, I've, I found it particularly difficult because, as I said, I, I'm quite geeky and I, I like to do things well. So I, I sort of pride, prided myself on re being really good at hip twist. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, but how do you find that you see between karate and taekwondo i didn't really feel like i struggled that much um yeah. i don't know if that's from the way that i was coached in the karate mm. um i found that the styles were quite similar so i yeah, didn't yeah. really struggle um sure. i did pick up the taekwondo very quickly um yeah. and again I, I feel like from the transferable skills one to the other very similar even the the first couple of forms were really similar. Yeah, yeah. Um. So like, and I was nine. I actually couldn't tell you even what school it was. Um, sure. I, could, I couldn't even tell you. Um. But I didn't find the transition from one to the other very hard. Um. I didn't massively struggle. I don't feel with the transition from the hip twist to the sine wave either. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um. And again, because I think naturally I was, I, I kind of move with a flow anyway, because I did dance before. Right. So I don't, I didn't feel like the transition was too hard, but I'm a bit like you, whereas I'm kind of like, I want to be the best I can be yeah. at it. And I like the technical elements. That's something I've always been really interested in, regardless yeah, yeah. of what style. I've always really liked the technical elements of it and, you know, making sure I'm doing it 
by the book or you know by whatever my instructor said more so by the book now uh, because I don't formally have an instructor I have people that I work really close with yeah Um, but at the moment I try and go as as closely from what they say but supported by the book and vice versa um so yeah I find the the change in style between the hip twist and sine wave was slightly more difficult but not too much yeah and now again because the sine wave that I was doing previously to joining this ITF was slightly different again yeah yeah so I've had to change the style again and before I went and did the Spanish Europeans I had to literally change my entire sine wave style again (laughs) in like four months yeah um and I'm still changing it now like there's still a lot that I'm changing uh which I wasn't necessarily it wasn't necessarily a focus perhaps in the other style or you know for example like the fast motion was performed slightly differently or the continuous motion was performed slightly differently or you know in the hip twist style I did there wasn't even such a thing as continuous motion so that was like a a new thing for me you know coming in and so yeah yeah, and yeah. it's like it's really in, it's been really interesting, and the journey that I've had in the last eighteen months, the the progression I've made in eighteen months has been greater in that time mm-hmm. than it has been in the last ten years. So, well, well, well I, I, it's, it's interesting because I'm, I I I I was a a, a, ref, a, a judge <laughs> judging you with patterns, and I thought you did really. You know, you you look very natural. I must say, you look really natural doing that. So, oh, so San, I learned so San off YouTube. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I literally literally learned that off YouTube, and yeah. then kind of tried to link the two up in the book. And then I had a few like bits sure. of feedback here and there. But yeah, so San's like a that's a long pattern. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you did you did very did very well on that. I mean, I often say to people that. Um, you know, you talk about changing over quickly. Uh, when, when we had General Che come to, um, well, basically uh, inaugurate Puma and start Puma, uh, he came over and um, he he started a seminar on the Friday and on the, on the Sunday, two days later, but bearing in mind I've done hip twists since the 70s, I had to do a grading under him and do my, my sixth degree under him, which I was thinking, um, I, was, I was going up when I should have gone down and down when I should have gone backwards <laughs> when I should have gone forwards. I was all over the place. Um, and uh, I remember somebody, somebody, uh, somebody that he brought with him actually made a comment and I really felt like punching this guy <laughs> because uh, <laughs> he was quite rude to the thing. I felt like just saying, I've been doing this for two days. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, and um, it, yeah, it, it wasn't the best... Um, grading of my life I would say but uh actually sort of looking back I was I was very privileged to to be to say that I graded under the founder of Taekwondo so yes very. Uh, e- even though it was uh it, it wasn't a great day but um no th- thanks for that it, it, it is interesting because you know you and and some of my students listen to this and other people won't realize actually how uh different ITF groups actually perform slightly differently because mm-hmm. you know we we, we started so we had General Che, then we went to um, uh, Master Trijin Wah, uh, and that was slightly different. And then I went to a couple of IICs, and that was slightly different. So, yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, I, I'm lucky I'm in the – well, I say lucky. I'd, I'd still love to compete, but I, I don't compete anymore. And I, I leave that to other people now, to our coaches to sort <laughs> out. So it was actually quite nice, really. I just say, do you know what, guys, you, you sort that out, and <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do what I'm doing. But, um, no, that, that's, that's great. I mean, that's – there are a few other things as well um from what you said and one of the things that 
it is actually quite interesting. And I say this to people. I did my first instructor's course. I mean, I, I started teaching, I think it was 1978 or something like that. Um, I was I was quite young. And, you know, my trust said, oh, you know, go over there and teach these people something. So I did, had no idea, really scared, uh, didn't know what I was doing. And it was only until really uh, about sort of 83 when myself and uh, Master Alborn opened our first school in Bath that actually I got the confidence to be me uh, and just explore teaching a little bit. And then I took some courses. But in saying that, the the Taekwondo instructor's courses then were, it wasn't about um, teaching methods. It was about teaching Chonji, Dangan, Dosan and, and what was correct. So actually, it, there wasn't much use to it to be honest it wasn't about it wasn't about how you deliver things and it was only until i did level 2 coaching with a guy from leeds university called uh, tony gummerson and um he first of all he was really shocked that we didn't have a children's syllabus he said uh he said well so what do you teach the children he said well we teach them the same yeah, sorry well, they do the same thing well, why would they do anything different <laughs> everybody was sort of stunned this guy was going are you serious? <laughs> and then at that time, uh, I remember I started my first kids class um, and actually started teaching them completely differently, uh, treating them as children, not as not as little adults. Uh, and it totally transformed my school, actually. It was a very big school in the end uh, and the kids stayed and loved it. So, so it was good. So, um, you know, I can I can totally see where you're coming from with the um you know, the teaching principles and, um, you know, I, I do the assistant instructors and instructors courses now in, in Puma. Um, and I teach a lot about teaching methods and about how people learn, mm-hmm. um, which was never, never addressed at all. Um, it's yeah. relatively modern, um, mm. but not modern, if you get me. I think for, yeah. for martial arts, it's it's like a new thing. Um, sure. But obviously in teaching, it's always been a thing. Um, yeah. And I think that understanding that you know very martial arts is very military and it's very learned by rote yes and that doesn't encompass all your learners and no. doesn't encompass all your students because everyone has their different sure. ways of and they're different maps of the world as well so yeah everyone is there for a different reason yeah some people might want to get a black belt some people might want to get some confidence some people might want to learn how to interact with other people some mm. people you know want to lose weight some people want to compete for England. Everyone is there for a different reason. And in that one session, you've got to cover all those bases and cover all their learning styles yes, and yeah. <laughs> learn how they work as people and figure out how you're going to progress them. So yeah. actually, even in just like one session as a teacher or a coach or instructor, or whatever you want to call us, um, mm. it's it's quite a big thing to be a coach. It it's quite a big responsibility as well. And I think in the old days with some of the teaching courses that I was on as a Taekwondo instructor, you're correct. It was very much a seminar about how you teach Chonji or very much a seminar of how you give a warm up. Um, mm. And actually in the past, even in some cases, the structure of the session was the complete wrong way around, like static yeah. stretching at the start, not at the end. And, yes. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing and doing a massive blowout cardio warm up to begin with and you know without even actually warming up properly just going straight into full exercise you know those kind of things have advanced a lot but it's uh, the 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 issue that I found while trying to coach others is that there is still a barrier there for people that have been teaching a long time yes everyone can continue learning 
Um, the biggest barrier I have is really senior, older people yeah, who definitely, definitely. don't I mean, I, want to change in, their ways. Um, I'm, in, I'm, in the, I'm in that group, but I tell you what, I, I'm really open to I learn more from my younger instructors than anyone else, but carry as on. As should be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it is, it, that is that is one of the, the main things that I've come across is that... yeah. And it's, it's quite hard because I went into teaching at a very young age. I think when I went into my first employment, I was the youngest teacher they ever took in. I was the youngest manager they ever took in. And, you know, being a girl in this industry as well, um, you meet some barriers that are quite hard to overcome and quite hard to influence change in. Yeah, sure. um, but I always come back to that if you have an open mind, anyone can learn. Any Anyone who is an instructor can learn how to do it better um yeah. and can yeah, reflect definitely. on what they're doing as well so for me it's really important that when I'm coaching and mentoring people who are instructors it's how do I mentor them to have reflective cycles in their delivery in their planning and how are they going to progress themselves as well because I think when you become an instructor you forget that you are also a martial artist you forget that you are also a practitioner and a person who has a passion for this and sometimes that gets a little bit lost and then your teaching will stagnate because you've kind of lost you a little bit and I've yeah. done it you know I think we've yeah. all we've all done it yeah um and it's like I do I do really enjoy the teaching and I really enjoy the mentoring and the development of other people and I feel like yeah it's, it'd be good to have more modern approaches during our teaching courses which is obviously one of the main reasons why I opened up my business doing it because uh, yeah. I was in a very unique position where I had the experience and the knowledge and also did Taekwondo and martial arts. So I could kind of merge the two together and it's very unique sure. qualification now. So, and yeah. it's, it's had very good outcomes so far and we've put quite a, a number of people through it and they've all gone on and their, their performance as a teacher has improved and their retention with learners uh sorry students has improved so yeah, yeah you know yeah. i still use very very educational lingo when i talk about taekwondo students now i still call them learners it's very weird <laughs> yeah no well they, they are no i i i know what you mean i mean my, my um uh, ex-wife was a teacher actually she was teaching physics i learned a lot from her um uh she actually designed the course that i teach um and uh it was very teachery language and we were talking about yeah. um you know le learning styles audio visual and kinesthetic yeah. and global learners and all that sort of stuff and um I mean I I did have to say that during my early part of teaching I realized that I didn't know enough so I actually I actually started doing a lot of um courses on uh, soft in soft tissue injury anatomy physiology mm -hmm. that type of thing um people thought I was bonkers at the time <laughs> and um because I just felt you know, this is ridiculous. You know, I it's need... important. It, it, well, 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 it is <laughs> duty it, it of is... care. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. And um, now, now people understand it, but at that time, I was going away for three days. I was learning about these things, and I did a also did a, um, a certificate of course in nutrition and all sorts of things uh, that I did. Um, I'm still very much like that, to be honest. I, I still love doing uh, courses. I love. Um, you know the educational side of things. I'm, I'm currently doing a, a course on clinical breathing and all sorts of stuff. So I, I quite like. Um, I, I feel that I don't want to stagnate and stand still. And I think you know I, I recognise that a lot of instructors, particularly older instructors, you know, I'm, I'm in 
just creeping into my 60s. Um, and I realized that a lot of people my age who started teaching that time think they are the finished article. Um, mm. And unfortunately, I don't think we're ever the finished article. No, no we never are. And no. I think it will become more apparent if, you know, in the future, Sport England do get involved in mm. what we do. Mm. I mean, at the moment, obviously, the national governing body situation for Taekwondo is a bit, yeah, it's not good. Um, no, no. Obviously, there's like there's like three national governing bodies for Taekwondo, yeah. plus some on the fringes that are not officially recognised. Sure. And, yeah. you know, national, I mean, the BTC national governing body, they don't, encompass all of us that do you know no, itf no. style no, and then you've got the two wt ones and they're completely separate yeah. and i think at some point especially since the zara python incident i do feel that national governing bodies and sport england are going to be looking more at instructors and yes. they are going to be looking more at what qualifications we hold do we have the minimum standards that are required as part of a national governing body like for example safeguarding first aid hmm. um level two coaching um, yeah, yeah. DBS checks public liability etc and mm. I think it's a really important thing for instructors and anyone that's an assistant instructor or anyone that's even remotely thinking about coaching or even enjoy it like there are those I don't want to say like legal but they are almost legal kind of requirements yeah. for you to be doing this and it's not something that I think is overly again spoken about in our industry no and even like you were saying to the the this the level that you do need to know about how the body moves Yes. what you're doing to the body, what could damage it. You know, I'm I'm a level three personal trainer as well. I've done exactly the same as you. I've made sure mm. that I've gone down all the routes to make sure that I'm not going to damage my students um, mm. and I'm safeguarding them. They understand their bodies that like, because we've got quite an open culture in our club. Everyone understands what their bodies do. Everyone understands like, you know, a pregnant woman will have a very different training situation to yeah. an adult male, for example. So we're quite open about that, but I don't think that's the culture across the board enough. And I don't know how much influence recent changes or recent events are going to have coming down the line eventually. So yeah. it is really important that instructors continue with their professional development. And I think regardless of where you're at in your your progression where you're at in your teaching if you've been doing it a long time if you're doing it like 18 months it's so important to keep on top of that and I'm very much an advocate for that <laughs> yeah I, I think that um I'm not sure whether you know I I, I often say to my people that I, I want to teach till I'm at least 95 then I'll slow down <laughs> a little bit um because uh, I do love it and I, I, I never want to to retire and I'm, I'm sure things will will change I, th I think it will be slow it'll be a very slow mm. change but it will change uh, because really it has to at some point it does have to yeah yeah and, and I think that um uh it, you know it brings some good things it's interesting because you know I've, I've been in um taekwondo uh scenarios let's say being taught and I've thought to myself Oh, that's not very good. Not getting that, not getting that across very well. Oh, you're doing that in the wrong order, like you say. You know, start with static stretching, you know, and stuff like that. Which is, which, <laughs> which, which, I mean, the stretching thing, to be honest, is quite old school now. You know, um, yeah. You know, where, where we used to like, you know, line up a bow and then go into a static stretch. You know, that <laughs> I mean, that was very old school. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but you still see it. You still. Oh still yeah, you do. 
I still see it. I still see it. But um, mo- moving on from there, that, that, that's fantastic. I mean, I could, I could talk to you literally all day about that type of stuff. <laughs> I because... could talk all day about it as well. It's, it's one of those things that I could literally go on about forever. So, <laughs> well, it, well, it's 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 close to my heart, and um, I, I think it's important. And uh, you know, you're obviously very knowledgeable about it, which is which is great. So, um, the the other thing that I wanted to um, uh, to ask as well is that sort of I, I always like to get a you know you're you're obviously very busy and i like to get a sense of what what people uh other than martial arts what they do or, or perhaps what they can take from martial arts into other things now people find it quite quite um fascinating because i will say that learning harmonica and learning guitar for me is very much i can i can see the parallels with martial arts um how i how i do my harmonica my guitar or anything else that i do uh, i can see uh, lots and lots of parallels. The first thing I want to well, well ask is that you know, apart from martial arts, you know, you're passionate about uh, anything else, you know, like <laughs> music or or whatever. <laughs> um, so I I don't get a lot of time, if I'm honest no. with you, to have other passions. But mm. one or two things that I'd like doing. So I like um, doing woodland walks, <laughs> really. Random. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, mainly because I like the headspace that it brings, and I quite like nature and stuff like that. Um, sure. I'll if I'm not at the dojang, I'll be out doing something like that. Um, and then the other thing I do uh, quite a bit of is uh, painting. So I like painting stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I um, I don't, again, get a lot of time to do it, but I do like acrylic painting. Um, I paint Warhammer with my husband as a hobby. I, do, I can't yeah. play it, but I do like painting it. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure people else I do. Um, at the moment, it's mostly that, if I'm yeah. honest with you. I think that that basically is the stuff that I can slot in around. Sure, yeah, the, yeah. The, the frequency of like competing or squad training or you know, out teaching or doing seminars or IICs and stuff like that. So like, I I, I do tend to do quite a bit of that yeah. kind of stuff. It's like yeah. my downtime. So, and um, I really like what you were saying about the guitar though, because I actually use um, playing the guitar as an analogy with my students. So I always say to them, like, when you learn how to play a guitar, you want to do it the best you can. So what you play sounds amazing. Mm. And it's exactly the same in your Taekwondo you've got to dedicate that time to perfecting your performance so that you can show the best that you can do. Mm. So you don't take the guitar as a hobby to play it badly. You know? No. Yeah, so exactly. I always, I always use that as like an analogy. So I do find that quite interesting because some of them can really relate with that because they do musical things in their own time and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I do. I do find that that was, I found that quite interesting. That you said you did that because it, yeah, it's kind of like a direct parallel, isn't it really? Um, well, it's like I the same with artwork, yeah. you know, um, the artwork I produce, it's not the best. Like it's not, I'm not mm. going to proclaim that I'm a great artist or anything like that, but I do like mm. the discipline that I have around it and the time that I'll dedicate to doing a piece. I've literally just finished one. Yeah. So I'm doing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, I do That's like seascapes and stuff like that so <laughs> yeah 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 and that's that's really interesting well it it, it, it is um <laughs> you know I, I actually started playing guitar around the time that I'd started doing taekwondo and uh taekwondo was my first passion and I got you know very good at taekwondo <laughs> but my guitar suffered uh it's the other way around now and I practice uh, I, I still love my my taekwondo. I still do it, but I practice guitar every day. I've just finished playing uh, just before this podcast, uh, and I try and if, if 
you know, this is what I say to the to the students. I said, you know, even if you can only give it five minutes of quality, just do five minutes of quality. And if you can do six, do six, seven, seven. Don't do too much because guess what? It becomes a bit of a chore. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I do that with my guitar. And I said to myself, right, okay, I've only got 10 minutes, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to give it, you know, 10 minutes of quality. Uh, and my guitar playing has really come, really come on. So it's um, it's something that I really, really enjoy and I'm quite passionate about as well as my Taekwondo. I'm lucky enough now, um, you know, I, like you, I've been a, I've been a full-time instructor for a long time, well, since middle eighties. And, um, you know, uh, I, I often say to people that I love being a martial arts teacher because it, it gives me the lifestyle I want. I can, I can train in the mornings, play my guitar, uh, and do all the things that I, that I love to do. Um, you know, I've never been into big houses or big cars, um, which is just as well because I haven't got one <laughs> Either of those. <laughs> um, I do like motorbikes though, but, um, no, that, that, that's great. Uh, Sort of, sort of moving on again, and another thing, but coming back to a little bit about um, uh, martial arts, but maybe the uh, the other side of of martial arts or or fitness and um, food, food. Now, I have uh, a fairly well. People would see it as quite a, an extreme um, diet. Um, I'm very, very uh, meat based. Let's put it that way. So for, for breakfast this morning, I had four eggs. Uh, people go what about your cholesterol but anyway um my my, my uh which is fine my uh my thing is is that whether uh first of all whether you have any sort of food protocols that you that you follow i guess you do as a competitor still um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah well you, you know i mean i i used to eat what i liked to be honest I was a competitor i was very light and uh, i could get away with it because i was training quite a lot but uh, I probably wouldn't eat that. <laughs> I don't eat that way now. But uh, yeah, whether you have any sort of uh, regimes or you just look after your, you know, that side of the things. I kind of just generally look after my overall health. Um, mm. I would say that my husband and I are both very much along the lines of uh, we're very kind of protein and very, I don't know, like veg based. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think we have a lot of we don't have a massive amount of like processed foods mm. so we're yeah, we're yeah. quite we're re- we're kind of not fully clean uh mm. I, you know i have my moments yeah. every now and then yeah. um as you all do uh but i would say that we're relatively clean um i would say very like keto kind of based um mm. more more protein heavy um yeah. for me uh generally because like i do weight train i do resistance training and i really i'm one of those people that really struggles to put muscle on um so i tend to have to really kind of like have the protein and i really do don't have a lot of processed foods because it just doesn't actually doesn't do me any good Hmm. um i have a a lung condition a lung condition called uh bronchial stasis i think it's how Hmm. you say it and it's like um like a cystic fibrosis but it's not cystic so it, it kind of gives you all the breathing difficulties that you would think you'd have it's not as bad as it has been in the past because you know fitness you know helps it um but i also have like a really bad reaction with sugar so anything that's like processed or like if i have a bar of chocolate or anything that's like really over sweet i will start wheezing uh, quite a lot um so i really struggle with i have really struggled with that lung condition as i say at the moment it's relatively under control because actually my diet controls it fairly well and fitness controls it fairly well but it's one of the main reasons why I don't spar. Um, and I do yeah. mostly um, specialise in the patterns because I, mm. I cannot predict how my lungs are going to be that yes. day. So, yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I tend to find that 
like my diet directly impacts like obviously my overall fitness but from a lung condition point of view it does really heavily impact that so if i'm having like a, a naughty period as i want to call it but it's not naughty at all mm. um then i tend to find that my lungs will suffer for it so <laughs> yeah yeah i think um i mean you you know a couple of things you said there and i think it's important what whether you eat sort of animal based or, or i mean I, I was vegetarian for a while as well i tried that um didn't, didn't work for me personally but i think whatever you do eating clean um and cutting out processed food is really really important so anybody mm. listens there's any of my students you know that i go <laughs> on to you about it <laughs> um uh you know eat clean the other thing that i've realized over the years speaking to different people is that not one diet fits all i think yeah. you have to you have to find out what works for you yeah um, and how your body reacts to certain things because yeah. you know i have students that if they have um a lot of sugar they mm. struggle not with their lungs but they struggle with other issues you know in sure. their bodies and stuff like that so you always kind of find what suits you you know yes. as a diet um and i don't particularly agree with fad dieting i no. don't particularly agree with some of the advice that's out there um yeah. at all yeah, yeah and i always advise people to enjoy their lives sure, as well yeah. Um, yeah you have to yeah but also remember that what you put in directly hmm. you know has a consequence um you know it could be that you don't want to gain weight and you're not exercising and you're eating too much um hmm. of the wrong things it could be that you're gaining weight and exercising and gaining weight but you're gaining muscle so mm. you know it's it's i always find the nutrition stuff really interesting i don't like um overly the one thing i really don't like advising on is uh cutting weight i hate yeah, yeah me too i hate <laughs> hate advising cutting weight for competitions yeah. um and stuff like that young, so, particularly youngsters yeah, yeah um yeah. so i'm very much in the sense that my youngsters fight at the weight they are um yeah. Yeah, I'm very much in the sense that I will fight, you know, around the way I sit naturally. Um, yeah, yeah. If that means I have to maybe cut a kilo, then fair enough. But if I'm cutting like five, then that's not going to yeah. happen, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I do hate when my adult students say they want to cut to get into a category or whatever. I, I really don't like advising it, especially yeah. when it means they're cutting muscle. I hate that. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those unfortunate things because there are ways around you know being the lighter end of your category there are yeah. training methods for you to progress into get around a heavier person um i do feel like people cut for the wrong reasons sometimes so and especially with yeah. the youngsters like we don't we don't allow them to cut because to be quite frank the amount of teenagers that i have in my club that have got eating disorders mm. um who are recovering from eating disorders i just don't and also the body confidence issues i've had in the past mm. you know being a competitor or uh just generally in the past uh through bullying at school like i just wouldn't want to put any of my teenagers through a cut like quite simply so yeah yeah well good on you because i i think that's a <laughs> no i think it's a really sensible approach um mm. you know you know youngsters you know particularly boys around the age of 14 girls you know perhaps a tiny bit younger than that where they're maturing and actually the natural process is to on muscle or whatever and they're trying to stop that i think yeah. is, is is quite dangerous um and um, we're very much the type of school of be strong not mm. skinny <laughs> yes yeah 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 and i think i no. think that that's the that's that's a good approach to uh to take um you, you you mentioned actually before about your um you know perhaps breathing difficulties and, and so on um you know I, I mentioned to you that i do um you know i'm, I'm 
uh, training to be a to do some clinical breathing as whatever. Have you have you ever done anything like that, or do you do you practice any uh, any of those things? I have been. I have asked for referral to clinics mm. or to specialists to help with my breathing. Um, mm. But obviously, the way things are at the moment, that's not going to happen for quite mm. some time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know some breathing exercises uh mm. but generally no i haven't yeah. actually yeah. been able to get help with that um yeah. and i have asked and, it, and that's the other thing like i think for me it was so long in me actually coming to ask for help with it yeah yeah uh, because i always just considered it to be really bad asthma yeah um and it was only after i think it was like three chest infections in a row and i was still training and i was still teaching and competing during that time as well mm. Um, and I ended up at the hospital with breathing difficulties and they had to put me on a like machine to it's a, they apparently they hadn't used it since like 1997. That's how rare this one was or something yeah. um, to diagnose this. And, and basically, like my lungs have also hyperinflated so much that they won't kind of go back down again. Yeah, um, yeah. So I have actually got issues with like my ribs as well from that. So like my ribs will kind of shift um, yeah, a bit sure. as well. So that can be quite painful especially with them when I get kicked in them at you know yeah. when I'm sparring and whatnot um but yeah no I haven't ever done breathing exercises and I was actually going to join a um it's like a group for people who have COPD yeah. um and yeah. it's like a singing group I was going to join um a singing group because I can sing but you know yeah. like I don't very often and that was apparently a good way of helping with it but I just like lockdown just kind of took everything yeah. off the table so <laughs> yeah it's, it's tough right I, after this i'll i'll uh once we get off uh off, off audio I'll, I'll i'll give you some of the bits and pieces that um, sure thank you <laughs> that, that may, may be of interest maybe of interest to you but uh that, that that's cool well listen we're, we're, we're coming towards the uh or the the end of of the, the podcast um and uh well there's, there's a couple of things here really one thing i want to say is that um you know if you've got anything or any information that you'd like to to share and like to put in the show notes um you know please feel feel free to do that if um you know if you've got any social media contacts that uh, you'd like people to, to catch up with you on or any of the you know you're teaching things uh we can sure. put that in as well <laughs> and, you know if you want to mention some now you can um and um the other thing which I like to say to all my podcast members, I'd love to chat to you again um, at some point, you know, find that catch up and find out how you're doing and uh, how your classes are doing, how your uh, your your teaching is um, is going on. So, yes, yes, that, that's that's what I like. But most of all, I just want to say thank you, really. It's been fantastic. And uh, any other ladies, martial arts, martial artists out there, we need more ladies. <laughs> Get we on. do we do especially since we want to do especially from my point of view from the women's committee uh for atf we want to have your stories we want to yeah. share about you um we don't we don't care if you're like an international competitor we don't mm. care if you're coaching we want to talk to the women and we want to have exposure for the women who are at grassroots level if you're a white belt we want to learn how you're juggling Mm. being a mom or being a career woman or you know mm. how did you get into taekwondo how are you finding taekwondo we want to know your stories and we want to be able to publicize them because the we want to empower more women to come in and do martial arts and progress up not just to a black belt we want to progress you up to master level we want we want to see women teaching iics you know, yes, we yeah. want to see women teaching seminars. Uh, we want this. And without your stories, we're not going to move 
that forward. So, you know, yeah, yeah. talk to us, talk to um, Master Anik and I on the Women's Committee. Uh, we want to hear from you and we want to hear more podcasts about women. We want to see more, you know, YouTubes about women. Um, I know that the AETF are going to put one up soon about women um, on their YouTube. So, you know, get involved with it. Talk. We want to hear you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, and, and if you know of any more um uh martial artists male female particularly that i can chat to send them my way i'd love to love to <laughs> chat more with uh, with people and um you know, just give uh, all the people listening to this um just a bit of inspiration that uh, actually yes. you know we're normal people we've got we've just got a passion for what we do and um you know hopefully that it'll it'll build their passion as well and um That's it. yeah yeah. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, thank you really, for having me. <laughs> no worries. Really, really appreciate it. And um, uh, hang on there once we finish. Um, so Living Martial Arts Podcast fans, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed that as much as I've enjoyed that. I'd like to say thank you to Sally. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure um, if you want to get in touch with, uh, with Sally, either about, through her, um, about her classes or any of the teaching that she does, uh, maybe take advantage uh, of her obvious knowledge, um, we'll put that in the show notes. Okay, thank you very much and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.